All right, thank you all for coming up. I don't want to invite myself into the pulpit, so I'll just uh, stand here. So I wanted to read, read to you all from, a, uh, from a, a modern psalm, a kind of a modern American psalm. And uh, I'm guessing that most of y'all probably haven't heard this. It's by uh, the modern prophets, the Lonely Island, who gained fame on uh, Saturday Night Live. And some of y'all who might watch that may recognize Andy Samberg. Now, I will preface this by saying that most of their stuff you can't read in church, probably, but this one I can. And uh, it made me think about this lesson today. And this is the lyrics from a song they wrote. Bar none, I am the most humblest. Number one at the top of the humble list. My apple pie is by far the most crumblest, but I act like it tastes bad out of humbleness. The thing about me that's so impressive is how infrequently I mention all of my successes. I don't like it when the girls say I should model my belly's full from all the pride I swallow. I hate compliments. Put them in a mortuary. I'm so ordinary that it's really quite extraordinary. You know, and I call this kind of a modern American psalm because I think one of the things that's true in our culture right now is our culture wants to tell us that not only do you need to have all the nice stuff, for instance, you know, like an iPhone, and I'm not saying that I don't like having nice stuff, but, you know, not only should you have the nice stuff, but you deserve it. You know, you've earned it, not by even doing anything, but by being special because of the way you are, right? We have a culture that, that tells us that we are entitled to the things that we have, we're entitled to the lifestyle we have. And look at the way a lot of times we measure what kind of person that someone is. We measure what kind of person someone is by the kind of car they drive, by the house they have, by the size of their bank account. And it's come to the point, I think, in our culture where not only do we kind of look up to people for having things that we'd like to have, but we tend to think that people who have money are good people. And Conversely, people who don't have money are bad people. And it's a struggle for the church. It's a struggle for the church because we all live in this culture. We grew up in this culture. We have been formed and shaped and molded and learned what it means to be a human being in America in this culture that tells us that wealth and stuff is good. Now, now I'm not saying that I don't like having stuff. I like having a house. I like having a car. I think all these things are good. But one of the things that I struggle with is the idea that I have all these things because obviously I'm, I'm good at what I do, right? Whether I'm good at what I do means being a pastor or whether I'm good at what I do means, you know, being able to save money or budget or any of the rest of that stuff. But what we hear in the gospel, what we hear through what Jesus tells us is that what we have is not what makes us good, what we have, what we own, what we possess is not the thing that gives us value or worth. And I say this not just because I want to I tell you, so you should all obviously give all of your money to the church, and then you'll be poor and happy, right? Even though tithing is good, and I, I encourage such things. But I say this because the, the lie in that and the danger in that is that if we tie our value up in the things that we have, what value do we have when we lose those things? You know, we, everything we have is temporary. 
I have a job today. If the economy turns south, it's possible that I may not have a job tomorrow, right? I have, a, I have a car today, but if I were to lose my job, I'd lose my car because I'm making payments on it. Same with my house. If I lose my car, if I lose my house, if I lose all the stuff I have, what am I? Who am I? What is my worth? What is my value? What does it mean to be Eric Wolf when, when Eric Wolf is stripped of all the things that Eric uses to identify himself, right? What is, who is it that I am? Who I am is the same thing that I told the kids this morning. This is one of those times when the children's sermon and the adult sermon look a lot alike. Who I am is a child of God, marked by the cross of Christ, sealed by the waters of baptism, called into the family of God, called into relationship with God, called to be a part of God's plan and mission and ministry, not because of what I have, not because of what I'm capable of doing, not because I've professed or believed anything well enough, but because God created me, so God loves me, and so God makes a place for me. And God created you, and God loves you, and God makes a place for you. And not only that, but the good news, the really good news, is that it's not only that God has created us and then finished with us, but God is constantly creating and recreating and renewing and restoring and giving us chance after chance and invitation after invitation into this family that we belong to and calling us beloved every day of our lives which is another thing that rubs up against what our culture tells us is true, that we have worth and we have value based on the things that we produce. We have worth and we have value because of how efficient we are. We have worth and we have value because of our work ethic and all these other things and that lie that we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and I do it all by myself. Well, okay, I do, I do it by myself, but because my parents raised me. I do it by myself because my, my church sustains me. I do it by myself because I have co-workers who help me. I do it by myself because I have people who pave the roads I drive. I do it by myself because I have farmers who grow the food I eat and people in the grocery stores who sell me that food gladly. You know, I, I guess I do it by myself, but really what we find is that we are not islands unto ourselves. We are not people who pull ourselves up. We are people who are lifted up by the community around us by the other people who are part of this world that God loves and God calls and God is creating and God is restoring and God is renewing, making us a part of this great community that God is creating in spite of the things that we believe about who we are, in spite of the lies that our culture tells us. And this lie, this particular lie that our culture tells us is seductive because I want to believe that I have stuff because I'm good enough. I want to believe that I have it because I am singularly good at what I do and that, you know, I am, I am the most humblest. Probably my favorite line out of that whole song that I didn't read was, you know, pe- pe- or I, people say that I'm a 10, but I'm an 8 at best. Plus 2 says you, not me, because I'm so humble, right? I want to believe these things, that it's because I'm so good-looking and then it's because I'm so smart. But... The thing that's so seductive about this is that it's not about how smart I am, thank God, or really thank God how good-looking I am, but it's about the fact that God gives us this grace. 
God gives us this love. God gives us this welcome, this place, this belonging, this family, this promise of salvation for free. Something that we can't earn. It's something that we can't pick up and take for ourselves. There is no amount of work ethic or bootstraps that's going to get us there. And for me, I don't know about you, but that's the thing that makes me the most uncomfortable about the gospel of Jesus Christ, is what God gives me is free. What God gives me is something that I can't earn. And that makes me nervous, because if I can earn it, I have some control over it. You know, and Jesus goes to a party in the gospel today, and he sees gathered there important people. And he tells this story, you know, he says, if you, it's not a story, it's just advice, I guess. But he says, if you go to a party, don't sit yourself at the front. And I want to commend all of you, because I look at these front pews and I see that nobody is seated in the front pews. You obviously have learned this lesson that you should not invite yourselves to the front so you had the seat at, well, Pastor Matt did. But other than Pastor Matt, you did not invite yourselves to the front so that you might be asked to go to the rear. You've been seated in the back. So I invite you at any point. You can even do it during the sermon. If you'd like to come up to the front and have the seats of honor, you are welcome. You are welcome in the seats of honor. Seats of honor that we didn't earn. Seats of honor that Maybe we can name the people who built them because we probably have plaques somewhere in this building. But seats of honor that aren't provided by us because none of this belongs to us. All of it belongs to God. You know, we, we hear this gospel of Jesus Christ and we are told that we are given these seats of honor because of what God has done for us. And the question that we have as we walk out of this place, other than what does that pastor think he's talking about, and that's okay, it wouldn't be the first time someone said that. But the question that we have as we walk out of this place is how is it that we take this honor, this grace, this glory, this love, this family, this place, this blessing that God has given us, and give it to the people in our neighborhoods, and give it to the people in our workplace, and give it to the people who are our friends and our family, because the truth of the matter is that we who are people who have our own brokenness, who have our own pain, who have our own shame, who have our own frustrations and hang-ups, aren't any different than the people out there. The thing that we have that they need is the knowledge that there is a place for us, and there is love for us, and there is a family that God has given us to sustain us and love us and hold us up so that we don't have to do it by ourselves, so that we don't have to be alone in this so that we don't have to depend on our own knowledge or goodness or smarts or looks because what God gives us is something that is free. And the world is thirsty for this right now. The world is hungry for this right now. And you all know people in your lives who need so desperately, not for you to throw a Bible at them, but for you all to show them what it means to be loved what it means to be accepted, what it means to be called, what it means to be a part of something that's bigger than ourselves. Because at the end of the day, the important thing about the church isn't our sanctuary, even though it's nice. What's important about the church is that we are a family called to be family for the world. How is it as we leave this place that we live out this calling of Jesus Christ 
to be family for those who need family so bad, to invite them and welcome them, even though they may not have anything that we want, and even though there's nothing we could do to repay them. Amen. So do I face y'all? Is that how that works around here? Yeah? All right. Good morning. morning. All right. I'm going to say three and then y'all tell me your names. One, two, three. I don't know your name yet. Um, Henry. Henry. Now that I know all of you, I'm Pastor Eric, and I'm, I'm one of your assistants to the bishop, and I work with youth and young adults. And uh, in today's gospel lesson, Jesus goes to a party. Have you all ever been to a party? What kinds of things do you do at parties? Have fun. Have fun. What, what does fun look like? What's fun? Hmm? Dancing. dancing. Do you dance? I am no good at dancing, but I like to dance but my wife always tells me I'm no good at it. So what else do you do at a party that's fun? What? Um, You eat um, cupcakes. Mmm, cupcakes. What else do you all do? Anything else that's fun at parties? Do you still pin the tail on donkeys? Is that something you still do at parties? No? What do you do at parties then? What kind of games or fun do you do? Uh, You sound like maybe you have something. Oh, you like to swim. I like to swim, too. Henry, did you have one other thing? Uh-huh. Oh, you like to play Rock'em Sock'em Robot? You know, that looks like a Rock'em Sock'em Robot right there. I used to have one a lot like that when I was your age, which was not so long ago. So I, I like parties, too. Now, now, here's another question. Have you ever been someplace and you said something that kind of embarrassed you? I have. I remember when I, was, when I was probably about y'all's age, I went to my grandmother's house, and somebody who I didn't know came with a big wrapped present, and we went in January, which was around the time of my birthday. So what do you think I thought? Yeah, that it was a birthday present. And I said, I'll just go on and take that present now. And they looked at me like I was crazy. And they said, well, this present isn't for you. This present's for your cousin, who also has a January birthday. And how do you think I felt? I was sad. How else do you think? Do you think I was uh, embarrassed, maybe? Yeah, my face turned red. Jesus in the gospel today talks about when he's at a party, he talks about the way sometimes we assume that we're going to get all the best stuff, right? Maybe we're going to get the ultra deluxe rock'em sock'em robot or something like that. Or maybe... We're going to get the first slice of cake. And sometimes when we assume that all the good stuff is ours, we get embarrassed because it doesn't necessarily belong to us, right? So Jesus says when you go to a party, then don't assume that you're going to get all the best stuff. When you go, pretend that you're not going to get any of the stuff and let them invite you to have it. Why do you think that is? Isn't that a weird kind of thing to say? Why do you think Jesus says that? Yeah, you won't be embarrassed, right? So if they invite you to have it, how's that feel when you're invited? Feels good, yeah. It feels, feels like you're special all of a sudden. And so one of the things, one of the reasons Jesus says this is that 
when it comes to our relationship with God, you know, we don't necessarily have God's love because we've done anything to deserve it. We have God's love because we belong to God, and we're in relationship to God, not because we deserve it, but because God invites us into relationship. God invites us through the waters of baptism. When the pastor said to you, does, any, is, does anyone remember being baptized? Take my word for it. The pastor said these words or something like them. Child of God, you have been marked by the cross of Christ and sealed by the Holy Spirit forever. And that is God's invitation to us into God's family, into God's, into God's relationship, into God's love, into the, into the forgiveness that we get when we do something wrong. And God's invitation is something that is always open and ready and waiting for us. So even sometimes when we do embarrass ourselves, and trust me, you'll have plenty of chances to embarrass yourself during your life, you know, we know that God is with us and that we can trust God's invitation to make us feel special. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for inviting us, for inviting us into your love, for inviting us into your family, for inviting us to be a part of your plan. Help us to be people who invite others into this relationship and show them your love by the way we love them. In Jesus' name, amen.